Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. First thing I want to do is apologize to our awesome listeners. Last podcast just wasn't doing... The numbers in my head. Forgot to say Merry Christmas to everybody. Oh, so Merry we, Christmas to everybody. Belated. Um, my bad. Boy, I'm a should, Christmas guy, and I forgot that, and it pains me. And even I, I would have thought I would remember too, even though yeah. I'm not a Christmas guy. Right. But yeah, we blew I it. I we completely blew it. Um, I think maybe I just in my mind I. <laughs> thought we were going to record again or something, but that yeah, obviously we, wasn't the case. It's been a lag here. Yeah. We've had a, a number of days off, and we made such a big deal out of it last year. Yeah. You'd think we'd at least remember to talk about it this year. No consistency there. Uh, did you have a good Christmas yourself? It was a blast, man. Yeah. Had a um, huge family gathering <laughs> um, indoors, many families from many states. We danced, we sang, and we were joyous. If you're not picking up the facetiousness in uh, Kurt's voice, I'll let you know that that's the case. Um, I wasn't quite to that level, but a little bit. Got to see my family. Um, my boys are five and call it two and a half. I don't know if that's the perfect age to have kids for Christmas, but... It's pretty close. It's right up there. Um, I mean, maybe a little higher on the two and a half. I would say maybe next year would actually be the, the top at six and three and a half. Um, at five, you are all bought in it is a magical world that that unravels during christmas um i know it made fun made it more fun for my wife and i I think it made it more fun for my other family members because you just see you see christmas through you know his eyes it's it's good shit yeah yeah um all right um and then might as well because i could see myself forgetting it too happy new year that's right everybody uh we were recording this on the evening of the 29th uh, so this will definitely be our last podcast of 2020. Uh, a bid, fuck you, goodbye yes, about to it? the year of 2020. Sayonara. <laughs> Adios, bleep sucker. Um, and then, <clears throat> now that I think about it, um, there has been a ton of people that have reached out on Twitter to both of us. Um, a decent amount of people that have uh, DM'd me, even some of my own you know, friends and family members that have my number have texted me to say, Hey, thanks for recording the podcast all year long in yeah. a shitty year. It was a something to look forward to. I can't tell you how much that means to me. I'm sure you feel the same way when people say that. Yeah, a number of uh, those reached out to myself as well. So thank you to everybody, which brings me to something I wanted to bring up. So I had mentioned my South Dakota, quote, vacation that I took a few weeks ago. Well, I had to go there for work this time, Okay. Um, so I met up with a listener at, at my place, at my new establishment there, paved downtown Sioux Falls, Steve Morgans, who I'm sure you know from Twitter. I do. Good dude. Good dude. Um, he's a gopher fan that lives in Sioux Falls area. He works right downtown. So he met me at, uh, down at, uh, at my, my joint there, pave. And we just hung out and talked football and just had a great time. And I guess he's really not a bourbon drinker. Like he was asking me about bourbon. I'm like, well, let's get some bourbon. And he's like, oh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> and so we did a shot of Bullet, and he actually DM'd me. Hey, what was that shot we did again? And I told him, so I was like, you know, it's, it's nothing special. It's just what I drink. No, it's good. Yeah. But he enjoyed it. But it was good to hang out with him. Took a picture, posted on Twitter. So, you know, cat's out of the bag. Everyone right. knows what Big Kurt looks like now. Nice. 
<laughs> I handsome man. Uh, and and now that we mention it, I mean, again, the the salt and pepper beard you got going on, it's just, dude, it's perfect. That's I mean, like like movie stars opine to have facial hair that looks like this. You know, it, it is weird. You just expect that you're not gonna enjoy going gray. But you know, when yeah. I saw it, I'm like, I I can dig that. Yeah, you're pulled. There's worse problems to have. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'd... you know, what hair I have left on top of my head is pretty brown still. Yeah. There's pulls it all together. Just a little tiny bit of gray in the side. But yeah, pulls it together. Yeah. It's uh, like it's like the rug in Big Lebowski. Pulls the room together. <laughs> 100%. Uh, speaking of, and then we'll move on from facial hair. I, I shaved my beard off just last night. I oh, could, you did? I couldn't take it anymore. It was like my last day of itching on the sides, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? So, so for the listeners, I've got a, a shallow beard, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a big, full, thick beard. Shallow. It's a yeah. shallow beard. Yeah. But I had a pretty thick one going, and it's just, for me, it's it's a moment that snaps me and I just can't take it anymore. Yeah. I look like Nanook of the North there at the end. And and I had my snap moment yesterday. I had, it was just enough. I couldn't take it anymore. So, and it feels so good when you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. All right. Uh, enough about facial hair and whatnot. Uh, but, and then again, we didn't thank you to the listeners as well. Obviously without the listeners, yeah, you said, thanks to us. We need to say thanks to you. For sure. Um, we're not quite there yet, but we we've pretty much gotten through the 2020 football season, and it was it was worth it. I think of in course the end. it was worth uh, it. Definitely I'm, glad we had football. I mean, I think I just rough numbers. We, it had to be close to 80 percent of the games got right, played. I think it's like 81 percent. Is it 81? Okay, done, yeah. Would have been a little. I thought would have thought it dipped below 80, but that's. I mean, that's great news. Yep. Why it works? Why wouldn't you? And did did you notice if anybody died? Sure haven't. You would think that would be something you would hear on a headline or okay. two and haven't seen it yet. And did anybody go to the hospital? You know, don't think I've heard that either. I hadn't heard that either. Yeah, I which mean, is weird for super athletes that seem to be pretty much impervious to this. But oh Did well. you hear about any of them having like bad cases of COVID? I didn't really hear that. I didn't either. hear that Not either. football, anyways. Not football. Yeah, so... Seems like we made it. Interesting. All right, that will move us on to the housekeeping items. There's a lot of them. The first one I'm going to start out with is, sadly, uh, Iowa was all set to play in the Music City Bowl. Uh, A buddy of mine, Aaron, immediately after hearing this, already booked his tickets to Nashville. um, And I kind of gave him a, you know, Um, and they got canceled. Uh, So a couple things here. Number one, this is what Missouri does. I'm like, as a, since you're an Illinois guy and I'm an Iowa guy, something that we can, you know, have that, what's that, you know, from, uh, from Predator when Arnold Schwarzenegger and, uh, oh, I forget the other actor, uh, was in Rocky four or, or oh, Rocky, yeah. uh, Paul Carl Creed. Weathers, Carl Weathers. Thank yeah. you. One of my favorite actors from the eighties. But you know, when they, when they, they hit, they grab hands yeah. and they're just flexing biceps. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. me and you can do for our hatred for Missouri. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, we don't play them every year in football. We're going to start playing them again. I, I wish we we didn't. But the, most of the hatred is from the basketball side because right. we play them every year. Right. And, yes, I intensely hate them and their fan base. And I think Nebraska fans would probably jump in on that a little bit. They would. Too. So, um, yeah. So, them pricks jumped out of the bowl game 
or playing a football contest again. So I'm not going to go deep into the history, but this is at least the second, if not the third time that Iowa has had Missouri on their schedule and really? Missouri has backed out. No kidding. So it was supposed to be a home and home at some point, okay. I'm going to say like mid two thousands and they backed out. Then I think there was another time where it was like a one-time mutual bowl site that I believe that Iowa, Missouri was going to play. They backed out of that as well. Was it like a long time ago? Uh, most of this stuff's within the Ferentz era. What do you mean by mutual bowl site? Like a kickoff classic type of thing. Okay, I gotcha. That that they were going to okay. do. That, that is my memory of it. If that's exact, I, I, I can't say for sure. I do know for a fact, though, there was a home and home that was on the schedule for Iowa and Missouri to play. They backed out. Then now with the bowl. So I want to sh- make sure I say this. Um, there is a lot of coaches and players themselves that have said, you know, it's been a long, hard season. We're locked in. We haven't seen our family gone home. 100% support that thought process mm-hmm. that these kids have been through a lot that, you know, unnecessarily, you know, from our point of view. So I totally get that. My point is this make that decision right after the season is over and decide that before the bowl matchups are right. all put together. Right. And then it gets too late in the bowl season for any kind of replacement to happen or anything like that. So that's what I would say to Eli Drinkwitz, the Missouri coach. It wasn't a total screw up. It was the timing of the screw up. Is that fair? Yeah. Why can't you time your screw ups drink? It does make a difference. Timing is everything. It's a slippery group. Those, those Missouri tigers. So I'm pretty pissed about that. I also partly blame myself because I swear I had I had spent no time looking into Missouri. Um, I figured we we're going to record the podcast, you know, Monday or Tuesday. So on Sunday morning, it was quiet around the house. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to dig in. Do your deep dive. So I did. The- and I watched four Missouri football games to oh, get a wow. feel. Yeah. I mean, you can find them YouTube pretty quick. Sure. Uh, there's a couple condensed versions. Got a really good feel. Started to build my knowledge and literally like... I got up from a nap and the game was canceled that day. Mercy. So I like, I don't really feel like I have control over time and space, but do you ever get the feeling that you do have? Oh, sure. Like with stuff like that. Plenty. I mean, I somehow willed Illinois into not having a bowl game this year. <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of wielding. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, and it would have been a fun matchup because Missouri had not played a lick of defense to end the year. <laughs> Um, but their offense, but they have a nice quarterback, they, right? They have two good running backs is what they okay. had. So I was, it was a great matchup for Iowa. I thought no way in hell Iowa should have been favored by 14 points. And then I watched and I'm like, wow, I might take Iowa to cover the two tutties. Okay. Like that was the debate in my head. I was really looking forward to that game. And then we got robbed of it. Yeah. It's always fun to beat Mizzou's had you done that as well. Okay. You probably got a couple more housekeeping games yourself. Got a couple here. So first I, I just want to talk about this Northwestern exodus as I'm calling it, which is uncharacteristic of a program like Northwestern. They have seven players that have entered the transfer portal and you think, okay, bunch of backups. No, 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 no. Isaiah Bowser who's, you know, been kind of a bell cow for them the last three years when he's healthy anyway. You got Drake Alexander running back as well. Both those guys running back. This is the one that really surprised me. Defensive end, Echo Leota, yep. their sack leader. I 
I just can't explain that, why he would leave. Kyrick McGowan, the wide receiver. Now, a couple depth guys, a safety that's a freshman, a sophomore linebacker, but then also wide receiver Malik Washington, who the coaches loved. He didn't have a great year. Like, he was expected to have this good year. It didn't. But nevertheless, you got seven guys in the transfer portal. So I'm wondering, is this just a function of the new transfer rules, or is something going on at Northwestern? Right. So... There's basically two uh, sources of info that you get from this. Northwestern fans and then people outside Northwestern. Northwestern fans are saying there's hardly anything. There's nothing to this. People on the outside are saying Fitzy's on his way out. The team, you know, the players know it. My guess is it's somewhere in between. Yeah. Because you get the casual fan who even knows college football. What what do you think is going on here? And, oh, well, Fitzy's leaving. I don't know. I just don't know. I because I can't wrap my head around that. No, Fitzy leaving. No, um, I don't. I don't think Fitzy's going to leave. Um, but my guess is there's maybe a little bit of friction between Bajakian because he's the new new kid on the block, so to speak, yep. on the coaching staff. So that makes sense for Bowser, Anderson, McGowan, and Washington. I'm throwing the two depth guys out. I'm I'm That's saying fine. I'm saying those guys this is the new transfer era that we're entering here they just wanted a chance to play probably but that's four guys on offense. So that makes sense. Maybe they don't like Bajakian, but then I still don't get why the defensive end is the, leaving. The deep, and that is the guy leaving that surprised and upset Northwestern fans the most because that makes no sense. They understood to a certain degree that there was a shakeup on offense and some guys just don't fit. So, but with that being said, you know, Drake Anderson's a legacy. So, and his dad is not happy on Twitter, on Twitter. Now, now. that's not the first dad that's not been, or parent or whatever, that's not been happy on Twitter and wrapped around all of this is this is not behavior that is very becoming of a Northwestern football team. That's why it's partially surprising to me and you and a lot of other people. Correct. And and to expand on the, the Damian Anderson thing, Drake's father who played on that 2000 co-championship team. Um, he really went after Louis Vacare, who's the the rivals writer for Northwestern. And I thought unfairly. Over nothing. Louis said nothing wrong. No, he's literally just reporting on, like he's doing his job at that point. When so. he, the worst thing he said was he mentioned that Drake had been in the doghouse a couple of times in his career, which is true. Like it's... It's been reported. It's been reported, okay. But I don't know. I guess he just didn't like him saying that publicly, but you know, yeah, it's not news to anybody. And to be honest with you, in this case, my personal belief, neither the reporter or Damian Anderson did anything wrong. Damian. I mean, it's his kid. He, he has the, uh, let him air some emotion. And by the way, way to go Louie for not apologizing. No, he just kind of said, I, I, I I held my ground and doing my job, man. But, but do you agree with me too? Like Damian Anderson doesn't want to see, his old sure. kid leave his alma mater. Like, obviously that's not how he saw this going down. Like we're humans, like give people a little bit of, of leeway here to get emotional. Sometimes it's not that big of a deal. Uh, Nothing, good point. No, no law was broken here. This no. isn't a big deal. You know, Drake Anderson's going to move on and go someplace like Northwestern football is going to continue on. There's nothing ginormous going on here as of now, I guess, but I mean, I guess you can write off the the running backs in a way because you got Evan Hall and you got Porter. Porter was getting most of the carries at the end of the year. 
But it doesn't mean that Bowser and Anderson weren't going to play. So. I know. And, and I've seen a lot of Northwestern fans say, no big deal. We have our running backs. But this is the Big Ten. You want, you know, a pair and a spare. Yeah. And you're definitely. They had four solid ones. Yeah. Now they're down to, I think, two. I'm, maybe I'm missing one guy that's gotten some carries. But it's not coming Point to Point being, the depth, the depth took a hit. Um, Absolutely. And, then, and by the way, it's not just, you know, these guys leaving that puts the weirdness into it. This is Mike Hankwitz, uh, last game coordinating the defense, and then their athletic director is moving on to the ACC as well. I mean, we are not conspiracy theorists to think that something is amiss here. Well, and remember before the season, their best player probably, at least we thought, Rayshon Slater opted out, and now Greg Newsom. this is a good thing, but Greg Newsom is not going to play his last year. He's going to go, he declared for the NFL, and he won't be playing the bowl game that we're going to be talking about here because he got injured in that Ohio State game. But that's a lot of players for them to lose in a single offseason. I just want to make sure we're clear here. It's more surprising than we think this will ruin Northwestern for next year. It's not. Are, nope, nope. Nothing's going to be. They'll be just <laughs> fine. Everyone just, just calm down here. Want to make sure that's true. But we'll see how this we'll see how this unravels here in the next yeah. couple of weeks. OK, just wanted to chat briefly about opt ins, the fifth or sixth year opt ins. What's going on with Iowa? Um, you know, Mir Smith said, I, I think we knew he opted right. out by the time he landed in the end zone. Yes. Uh, yeah. His, <laughs> um, his touchdown. Coach that, that said something. Did you see that? He said broke, something along the lines. Some line. of his landing gear there. said no. something along the lines of, yeah, those landings can be a bitch. <laughs> Anyways, I thought that was funny. Uh, like, well, Brandon how, Smith isn't coming back. But uh, how many opt-ins? I, I honestly, I don't know if I've seen an opt in for the six year, the super senior year yet at Iowa. Okay, because I've been looking around. I've seen a, a few, a handful, but I'm not paying close attention. But the one that surprised me, you know, I'm an Illinois fan. Tackle, center, other tackle, quarterback, all have op- opted in for an additional year. Yeah. Which surprised me. I mean, I just was wondering if. Have you noticed anything? Honestly, I haven't. Around? And I feel like I've been trying to pay attention, obviously, mostly to the big. 10 um, around the Big Ten West. Like, I know JoJo Doman for Nebraska. They're very interested in him. He could be a super senior. So I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that but he I haven't may, heard. But, but I haven't heard. Neither have I. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Um, uh, Mills, too, at running back. Okay. Um, there's a couple Penn State guys I've got my eyes on. A um, couple Ohio State guys. But you're not going to hear anything for Ohio State because they're still playing. So right. a lot of it is, you know, you still got four teams that are playing. You're not going to typically hear about that. Yeah, that's until a good point. their season is over. So you're really just down to the other, you know, eight or uh, 10 teams that you're hearing. I just haven't heard that much. So no, far. I haven't heard that much. But either. I think we're going to be dead on that. It's not going to be a high number that are going to do the super senior year. Well, as they kept, as the dominoes kept falling for Illinois, I'm like, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe a bunch of these guys are coming back. Um, and is, so has Dustin Schutte coined the phrase, believe him is that his? I I don't know. I haven't seen that actually. Did he? Did <laughs> yeah. he? That's him? how he refers. <laughs> well, to Bielma. it's interesting because he went from being an Illini hater like a week or two ago to now he seems to be on board. Okay, you're talking DS, Dustin Shooting. Okay, I mean, there's this thing we had back. In <laughs> no, I hear you. Um, but I just kind of wonder if they've gotten a little taste of Beetle and they've. Like what they saw so far, well, especially they, if you're an offensive lineman, because the track record yeah. that he has right. is pretty impressive for old linemen. Right. So speaking of Illinois and and believe him, is that what it's called? Believe- I'm going with Beetle. I just think it's funny. I want to mention it. Oh, so if you're going with Beetle, I don't know. We'll see if this sticks. I might go with just beat. 
because it's okay. It's a Howard Stern reference. Okay. You know the Whack Pack? Are you familiar with no, the Whack Pack? Not at all. Uh, it's this band of misfits that kind of surrounds the show. Okay. And there's this one of them's called Beetlejuice. Okay. Oh, Beetlejuice, the really weird looking dude. Howard yeah. just calls him Beat. Beat. Okay. So I think he may just beat yeah. be Beat for me. We'll workshop that. So one. hired his uh, offensive coordinator. Yeah. Out of left field, Tony Peterson from. Um, he had been at App State last year. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, Mizzou as an analyst, Louisiana Tech offensive coordinator, East Carolina, Marshall, and was the Minnesota co-OC. Most, most importantly or interestingly sure. enough. Uh, From he, 2000 to 2006 at Minnesota. Yeah, and he was on the staff a little bit before that too. So if you look up the rushing attack that the Gophers had under Glenn Mason, you know, especially when Mason got things up and running, um, I know they weren't winning, you know, 10 games a year, but I tell you one thing that those Minnesota teams did, they ran the ball. They did. Now he was a co-OC though. Yeah. And he was not calling plays for the most part of that time. But my guess is he had some form of, cause he was heavy in the old line run game coordinator type mm-hmm. of yep. type of feel. So, yep. Also hired O-line coach Bart Miller. So we got Brett and Bart. Yeah. Seems perfect. Now let's see, let's move on to here. This is an interesting one. Michigan defensive coordinator, Donnie B, our good, our good buddy, Don Brown, has been sacked from Ann Arbor. He is gone. We only saw that come in about mm, six weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so basically, everything points to khaki pants. Sticking around. I mean, so, I mean, all he needs to do when you think about it is fix the defense and the offense, and he'll be fine. <laughs> And maybe help the special teams just a little. Just a little bit. But that brings us to the next one. Michigan reportedly, maybe, it sounds like, nearing an extension with khaki pants, with with, uh, Harbaugh, per Chris Ballas of Rivals.com. So, I mean, he he, he reported it. Yeah. He's going to be as close to the program as anybody. Right. Which, I got to be honest, if you told me two months ago, or even a month ago, he was going to get an extension... I wouldn't have believed you. I would. I wouldn't have thought it was a hundred. I didn't. I don't think we ever thought it was a hundred percent that khaki pants was gone. But I would. It would have been something like two to one odds in my mind. For me, I just couldn't envision him in twenty twenty one. Like, what is that going to look like? Yeah. What kind of support is the program going to have? But then, you know, then I try to put myself in the position of Michigan administration, Michigan fans. They know they're not Ohio State. They're not going to be Ohio State. Ohio State anytime soon. Like, maybe they just want to be Penn State. So, okay, we fire But they're not Penn State. But they're not. But I'm saying that's the next goal. Like, let's forget about Ohio State. They're gone. Not important. Let's try to be Penn State. I do believe not long ago you making that statement I would have thought was preposterous. But I have seen a lot of Michigan people on Twitter. I know it's Twitter. That have basically come to the conclusion, like, listen, we're, we're – we're never going to be Ohio State. No, they've they've. It's there's an acceptance that I've seen, and part of being a college football fan is knowing who your program is, and so maybe they're just saying, you know what? If, let's say we fire Khaki. Who are we going to get to be any better? And I'm wondering if that's more of the case where it went so far as they kicked the tires on a couple coaches. Now that and they probably did not like what they got back in return for people wanting the job. That probably happened. I mean, maybe they went straight to Matt Campbell and they said. Not interested. That's I mean, it. that happens all the time in college football. So did it happen? Probably. I, I, think, I, would, I think it happened in Texas. Yeah. And come to find out those two programs 
I mean, there's a little Spider-Man meme-ish going on. Absolutely. They're, they're not they're not as desirable as people once made them out to be. I think that's fair. Now, Chris Ballas from Rivals also said that they have interest in Joe Moorhead as the offensive coordinator, which wow. is interesting because I just said they want to be Penn State. Right. Huh. Kind of chasing. That is interesting. Penn State right there. So we'll see what happens there, but... I think we're going to see more khaki pants next year. Yeah. Sounds That's like fine. It. I love talking about khaki pants. He's I an mean, interesting dude. He is an interesting dude. Yeah. 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 I just don't know what their ceiling is under him. Maybe something as simple as being more consistent on offense and just having a defense that doesn't give up yardage like like in insanely, you know, big big amounts. Maybe that's enough where they just look better and people think, well, you know, we got this. Yeah. They got, uh, is their all-world quarterback coming in with this class or is he? J.J. Uh, McCarthy's coming in from the five-star from yes. Illinois, from Nazareth High School. And you wonder if him alone, you know, Harbaugh getting him, is that something that played into khaki pants keeping his job? Yeah, maybe. That's a good point. Like, I, mean, I would never put that much weight in any recruit. I don't care if it's five-star no, or not. I agree. but. I think some people do. Yeah, so I think you may be right, though. If they play Ohio State and it's, you know, 35 to 28, okay, not so bad. We can take that. And then you're challenging Penn State, maybe even being in Penn State. That's not Possible. bad. Okay. Yeah. I think you just better you better get over Indiana and Rutgers next year. Well, huh? we got to start. You got you to gotta crawl before you can walk, okay. man. <laughs> All right. Any more housekeeping No, that's items? it. All right, that will get us into our bowl games. Uh, the last games of, well, some of them are the last games of the 2020 year. Two of them are into 2021. We had five bowls at once, but as we said, the inside bowl between Iowa and Missouri has been canceled. That leaves us with four. First up is Wednesday, December 30th, the Duke Mayo Bowl. Yuck. I was wondering how deep I was going to get Ugh. into that. I've never had, I've never, I know you haven't because you don't eat mayo at all. I've never had Duke's mayo. I've never even seen Duke's mayo on, it's, on that's the, a good the shelf at, I, you know, Cub Foods or Lund's or anywhere. I, I don't think I have either. Where, do you know where it's played? Do we, do we have the, the location? Oh, why you got to put me on the spot? Like okay. That? Okay. It is played in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, right. so that that's what I figured. It's a Southern thing. It's a Southern thing. Yeah, like yeah. the Zaxby's Bowl. Yeah, I don't know what Zaxby's is. I've never. I've seen a Zaxby's. I've never eaten at one. Never even seen one. Yeah, um, it's funny how regional food, like fast food, is so different from one spot to another. You like been... I, I mean, because you remember the whole thing where it used to be like Jack in the Box mm -hmm. and Carl's Jr. Or maybe it was well, Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. And Hardee's. It's the same thing, but they were known as Carl's Jr. And uh, one... Out West, they're known so as Carl's weird. Jr. Yeah. Because I, I want to say, I think there was like a merger at some point. One took over the other one. The Carl's guy, he was an interesting cat, by the way. Okay. I think it was Carl. Um, there's a great book, uh, Fast Food Nation. Maybe okay. No. Yeah. Anyways. If you want to know about the history of fast food, and, and it is interesting. Oh, I, I would find that very interesting. Schlosser. Speaking Eric of... Schlosser is his name. The okay. author. Speaking of regional uh, food, fast food situations, I, so I think it was a Jack in the Box. I'm just trying to think what it, it was a fast food that was in regional. So I was uh, visiting my cousin in the car with her friend Karen, 
And I think it was a Jack in the Box and we're in line. And one of the sides you could get was okra. Ugh. Okra. And, and I don't like okra. Okay. I didn't know what okra was. I was only 23, 24 years old. I don't know. I just, I hadn't traveled enough to ever run into okra at that point. So I asked the fast food guy, you know, like, hey, I see you have okra as a side. Like, what's okra? He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, what is okra? And he paused and said, okra is okra. <laughs> what else would it be? And, they, and then you look, okra. And you look back and you're like, he's like, how am I supposed to explain this to you? <laughs> right. I, I got three cars stacked up behind you. Get ordered. So the idiot. Carl dude, he's, he built this, this hamburger empire, right? And then it became public, and he was the CEO, and he got ousted by the board. He got fired from his own company. Takeover, yeah. But then he took the company back over. Wow. Like, he made it his life's work to, to take his company back, and he did it. I like to hear success yeah. stories like that. Where did, did we got a bowl game? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. All right. So the Duke's Mayo Bowl played on Wednesday, December 30th. This is against the 4-4 four and four Wake Forest Demon Deacons from the ACC against the 3-3 three and three Wisconsin Badgers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on ESPN line. Badgers by 7 and a hook over under 52 61% of the money is on the Demon Deacons. No right kidding. Now. Yep. Uh, basically, what Vegas is saying is somewhere around a 30 to 23 Badgers mm-hmm. victory. Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting matchup of the number one defense in the entire country versus the Clawfins. And this is uh, our first bowl. We have two of these to look at where I'm not sure teams. Could be much different, okay? Oh no! It's kind of like you ever you ever have a buddy, somebody, whatever, got married, got divorced. The next you know wife or girlfriend he has is the complete opposite of of what you know the sure. wife was before. Wives could do that with husbands too. Same thing. I didn't mean to put a, a sexual connotation on it. Um, Sexist bastard. You. <laughs> but that's what we have here. Like, I don't think you could have more opposite teams. Like, if you really were sick of watching Wisconsin football turn into the Demon Deacons, if you were watching the Demon Deacons, you're like, I am so sick of us giving up big plays. Yeah. Go watch Wisconsin because these teams, Absolutely. Like, it's completely different styles of football here. Yep. So on offense, you got Wisconsin totally ball control, right? I think they also lead the country in time of possession, I believe. And then Wake opposite. They could care less how much they have the ball. You know, they want to score. They want to score fast, basically. Um, tempo offense, not ball control. You've got Wisconsin, terrible offense overall this year. Let's be honest with it. But you're playing the terrible Wake defense. Um, then you got... The great offense, well, not as good as usual, but, you know, historic great offensive line from Wisconsin. And apparently this sounds like a historically bad defensive line from the Wake Demon Deacons. Very bad defensive line. Um, didn't I, I did a little bit of a YouTube deep dive and watching Wake Forest games too. Um, I mean, another thing to look for Wake Forest here is uh, – uh, two games got canceled at the end of the year, so they haven't they haven't played that much in the month of December. They've wow. only played uh, one game since uh, November fourteenth. No kidding. So they they have had two canceled. Uh, two of the last games that they played, they gave up forty five points to Louisville, and that's a decent offense, but not sure. forty five points good. They gave up fifty nine points to North Carolina. They scored fifty three in the game. 
could not close it out because they gave up 59. <laughs> Watching the clips of that game so that it was like a 10-minute, you know, compressed version okay, of that sure. game. Literally, it was a touchdown every other time you looked up, and it still filled 10 minutes of, of game time. With they, It was incredible. Um, I mean, they've had a couple better defensive performances before that, but these were against, like, anemic offenses like Syracuse. Um Basically, what I'm saying here is the claw fence might be clawing, but there's there's no clawing that's happening from this defense, and it hasn't been for quite some time. Yeah, so I, you know, I think traditionally you got an outstanding defense that's playing a good offense. To me, that's big advantage to the defense. I think so. Um, I think uh, Wisconsin has played more has played better opponents at the end of the year. I mean, it's ironic because Wisconsin is one of the lower teams in the big 10 for even games to be played. But at the end of the year, they played Iowa, they played Minnesota. These are two rivalry games that get you, I think a little bit more battle tested going into the bowl season. I know they didn't look awesome versus Iowa, but the defense did. I mean, the defense still looked good. I, I would say the defense is the main reason why they beat Minnesota. The other thing, too, is what happened in those two games, or I should say, who didn't play in those last two games? Jalen Berger didn't play. Right. I'm, I'm From what the information I saw, he is good to go for the bowl game. Okay. Um, then we also, I don't completely know, but I think it looks pretty good for Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis. Just give me one of those guys oh, yeah. as, a, as a threat downfield, because obviously that was a huge part of of what limited Mertz and the offense down the stretch. So I think I think they'll be able to run the ball fairly easily. Like yeah. they, they haven't been running the ball well, but I think this is the remedy for them not running the ball. And once they start running the ball, it's it'll a, be easy to pass over. the ball. It's game well, over. First of all, it's game over, but then they can just start passing if they want to. I agree. Um, I think it could take some time to get going. Uh, yeah. I asked my special friend. I had not heard back from him. So a prop bet that I want to look into is what the over-under is for rushing yards for Jalen mm. Berger. If it's anything less than 130 yards, yeah. I'm going to jump all over that because yep. I could – first of all – Jalen Berger was underused the entire year. And I think there's a lot of Badger fans that would agree with me with that. Part of the reason was down the stretch. He was, whether it was injured or Rona tracing, I don't know what it was, but he wasn't playing. But even the games that he did play, he should have gotten more carries. I think they're going to remedy that issue in this bowl game here, especially after Paul Chris puts on the game film of what Wake Forest doesn't have in the front seven versus Wisconsin's rushing attack. Yeah, advice for any Wisconsin offensive coordinator. If you've got a highly recruited running back from the state of New Jersey, you give him the ball early and often. Especially when playing in the uh, East Coast when, you know, maybe they get a couple more eyeballs on the game. Speaking of bowl games, um, Paul Christ has a calming effect on, the, on, a, on a gambler. Or you mean a, like a sleeping effect? Well, <laughs> that too. But I tell you what, he didn't look real sleepy the last, I don't know, how many times has they blown out the Miami Hurricanes in a bowl game? It feels like <laughs> That's a good times. point. He gets pretty fired up for he the bowl games. He does get fired up for the bowl. They look good in the bowl games. They do. So I think, what what is his record? Four and one, I think, in bowl games. With only loss being versus, in the Rose Bowl versus there you uh, go. Justin West. Herbert, Oregon. Right. <laughs> Which is a game, frankly, they should have won. They should have won that game. Yeah. Yeah, they gave that thing Great away. Point. So, the, yep. I, I mean, I just feel like there is a ton of things that are in Wisconsin's favor here. And again, I just always get that calming feeling 
of if you are putting some some dinero on the Badgers with that defense, you just don't ever think there's going to be a time where you're you're looking at the game transpiring on the TV screen and you're like, oh my God, this game's getting away from the Badgers defense. I just can't see it happening. I can't see that happening. And one thing I could definitely see happening is it just being an absolute boat race from from the get go. I see that hap- that could happen. That's not what I'm predicting. I think the claw fence will hang around and get something done. So here's yep. what I'm doing. Wisconsin's going to win the game. They're going to win 34 to 24. So that's a Wisconsin cover, and that's an over. I'm pretty close to that. I've got Wisconsin 27, Wake Forest 17. So that's quite a bit of an easy under uh, for the total of 52 and a half. You know, only at 10 points, it's only two and a half point cover. But I see this more as you never really felt that uncomfortable that Wisconsin was going to be, you know, in in jeopardy of giving up that that seven and a half point. I wish the hook wasn't there, of course. But even with the hook, I still feel pretty confident. So the one thing I guess I can't see happening is Wake just boat racing Wisconsin. It would just because essentially... The, like the only way that could happen is if somehow Wake Forest just shuts down a like we just see it again and it's just an anemic Wisconsin offense. Okay, even then I I feel like they put up 13 points in the game and it would have to require just a great defensive scheme. Yeah. for them to do that and I just don't see it. I don't see it either. Yeah, yeah. Shock, I was shocked to see that 61 percent of the money was on Demon Deacons. That yeah, is not that is a little those. shocking. Now I'm not saying the Deeks can't win the game no no i just the one thing i can't see is the blowout on that side all right that gets us into the new year that will bring us uh to the citrus bowl this is on friday january 1st better known as new year's day we got two games that day we're gonna leave one of those games for later on in the podcast so First up, as I said, the Citrus Bowl. This is the 6-4 and four Auburn Tigers out of the SEC going against the 6-2, and two, number 14th-ranked Northwestern Wildcats. This is a noon game on ABC. The line is the Wildcats by three and a hook over under a very low 43.5. 60% of the money is on the Northwestern Wildcats. Not oh. a huge surprise right there. Vegas is essentially seeing a 24-20 to 20 Northwestern win. Yeah, I I am really looking forward. I wish somehow I got to get me some Auburn followers on Twitter before this game. I'm looking forward to just seeing... Like, you know, we're starting to get into the second quarter. What is going on? Why can't, why aren't we doing that? Why can't we move the ball? Why is this? I just can't wait to see the meltdown from the Auburn Tiger faithful when Northwestern starts Northwesterning. So obviously I know what you're getting at there. Hilarious, completely understand that. But I think that feeling of why can't we do more on offense has kind of been a part of this Auburn team sure. all year. Uh, 24 points against a pretty bad Mississippi State team. They only put 20 points up against Texas A&M. They got boat raced by Alabama. No big deal. Just kind of methodically crappy-looking offensive. Yeah, but but I think scoring-wise, they're right in the middle of the SEC in, yeah. in average scoring, I believe. But the con- inconsistency from quarterback Bo Nix, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, I remember Braden Gall just talking about, oh, my God, Bo Nix, this this kid. Like, what, just a just a gamer, you know? <laughs> like, and, and, and he's just not that good of a quarterback. I mean, he's, he's okay. 60% completion, which is solid. 21, 23 yards, 11 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. He's just... 
Yeah, he's okay. He's just, he's just he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback that all right. So I mean, I think with Northwestern being favored, like I I would have shocked you if this line came out Auburn favored by three. no. I was actually a little surprised that Northwestern was favored to be okay. honest. So was, I, I I'm not saying surprise, but I was curious to see how that was going to turn out. So seeing the Wildcats favored by three and a half, seeing the over under at only forty three and a half, I think what you're seeing is not only a nod towards respect for Northwestern, but also because nobody has a ton of faith in Auburn in this football contest no. either. Um, uh, Auburn lost two of their last three. Uh, and then, you know, I think the performance that Northwestern had against Ohio state, my guess is approximately 80% of the people uh, watching that game that weren't Northwestern fans. It's probably the first time they saw Northwestern play all year. I'm sure. And I'm sure there was a lot of fans outside of the Big Ten footprint that saw that. And they're like, geez, uh, Northwestern's pretty good on defense, I like to think, was one of the takeaways. Is that what what they were thinking? Or was it, boy, why is Ohio State playing so bad today? Both. I do think it was both. But my guess is their performance in that bowl is what brought us to Northwestern being favored by three and a hook in this game. At least that's part of the, the puzzle. So here's one thing that I'm interested in. And we talked about this recently with the Illinois-Penn State game. Interim coach Kevin Steele for Auburn, right? Interim coaching game. These are fun. They're going to pull out a lot of tricks. And I tell you what, Northwestern is the team to stop that kind of stuff. So they might get some momentum early, like Illinois did against Penn State. But it's going to get shut down. That's what I think. I mean, there's just more to have faith with here with Northwestern. Um, Especially their passing defense. Yeah. Against Bo Nix. I know. I, I just... The Bo Nix, uh, uh, 11 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Okay, I mean, that's those aren't great stats. Now the problem is Peyton Ramsey, uh, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. I mean, so, if you're tuning into this game to watch stellar quarterback play, you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed. I do think there's two good defenses on the field, but yep. definitely the more consistent nod to the defense for me is, is with Northwestern. Definitely. So Auburn has a really good scoring defense. They're not quite as good in yardage, but they're efficient. Um but for me, the key for Northwestern in this game is Peyton Ramsey not turning the ball over. When Peyton has agree a no-turnover game, it's really, really hard to beat Northwestern. It is. It's The only time you have a chance is when he starts turning the ball over, which we know he's prone to do. He takes care of the ball. I think Northwestern wins this game. I would say that's probably the difference between Northwestern covering or not is depending on the turnover ratio for Peyton Ramsey. Okay. So, I think I completely agree with you. I maybe just take it a little step further. So I guess what I'm saying is here is with my prediction is I think he will make at least one mistake in this game. Uh, perhaps uh, just, I don't know, just not as clean as you would have thought Northwestern would have been this year, seeing as how they made it to Indianapolis. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. With that being said, I think Northwestern wins the game. That line is almost freaking dead on. I've got Northwestern 20 Auburn 17, so that is a very slight under, uh, but at a extremely slight, so a half a point. My point I'm trying to say is I don't feel good about this. Auburn covering that by a .5. Okay, so I also have Northwestern winning, because why would I ever pick them to lose? Right. I've got kind of close to you, but i got 24 to 17, so that's still an under and a Northwestern cover there. Okay. All right, that gets us into the next day, which is Saturday, January 2nd, the Outback Bowl. 
We've got the four and five. That's right. A losing record. Ole Miss Rebels playing the number 11 ranked six and one Indiana Hoosiers. Very disrespected in the slot that they're in. 1130 a.m. The the weird 1130 start time. Uh, This is on ABC line Hoosiers by eight. The over under is 66. 71% of the money is on the Hoosiers right now. Basically what uh, Vegas is saying, I think this is pretty interesting. They are saying this will be a 38-30 to 30 Indiana win. Hmm. Okay. So th- to me, we like to talk about the Spider-Man meme. This is the Spider-Man meme with the Wisconsin wake. Correct. Game, essentially, right? <laughs> Bingo. Nailed it. I yep. mean, so you got IU who has a great defense. You got Mis- uh, Mississippi who has a great offense. Mississippi's defense is absolutely, totally Putrid. I mean, there's almost no measure that you can find that they do even, even serviceably Correct. well. Let alone, I mean, just anything. So let me. I'll than, try to put ahead. it. I'll try to put it into numbers for you. So on defense, Indiana, pretty good. They they not as maybe good as you thought, but they were 37th in total defense. Okay. So Ole Miss is 127th this year. That is last in the entire NCAA because a couple teams didn't play. Um, yeah, meaning if a full slate, what was it, 129? I think. Is okay, what yeah, we're they would have right been dead last. <laughs> 534 five yards a game they gave up. <laughs> 500. I mean, I mean, think about this, dude. <sighs> like, when any offense goes over 500, that is a big offensive output yeah. that day. 535? They're a third of the way to 600 <laughs> that they average giving up a game. It is it, insane how bad they're. Another thing I'd like to point out, guess who was 124th in, in defense? I don't know. LSU. Oh, okay. LSU and Ole Miss oh, out of boy. the mighty, vaunted SEC, last and fourth to last in the entire country. So That's kind of crazy. And think right? about like some of those blowouts. At some point, the offense, you just stop. Trying right, you put you put your second team and you put your third team. And in. They're still giving up. It's yards. really hard to be that bad. I tried to go through and find a, a any stat that they were, you know, somewhat good at. I couldn't find one. You cannot. They're that bad. They're now, that bad. Now, now we, on the other side, offense, Indiana, ninety fifth, a little bit yeah. lower than I thought. That's it, lower than I would have I guessed. I mean, they tailed off towards the end of the year. But obviously, that, yeah. But that's weird considering. Just the just the talent they have on the outside. The talent, but also having Penix, and there were some games where he kind of went off. Right. But then he also had some there were that he there was there didn't was a play little well. Bit. So yeah, that's interesting. And then Ole Miss third in the country, five hundred and sixty-two yards of total offense. So Ooh. even though they give up five thirty-five, they're still in the they're plus side. They're outgaining people. That's incredible. What? What? <laughs> it's I, insane. I almost I did not watch Ole Miss this year. I, I watched I, a couple games. I yeah. wish I I wish I had now. That what must have been remarkable. It, like I felt like like my read on, and this is mostly like listen to other podcasts. My read on it is that people like Ole Miss fans and just SEC fans in general were amused by Ole Miss. I mean, how could you not be? But at some point, you know, if your defense is consistently that bad, people are just like, uh, okay, I've had enough of this. We need to see 
Somebody needs to tackle here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to take him seriously. (laughs) But here's here's one thing we do need to point out. So the top two wide receivers for Ole Miss have opted out. They're not playing this game. Big part. Big deal. The wide receiver three, who I believe their last game was against LSU, got injured in that game and came out. May or may not play in this game. We don't know. Also, their top running back was injured in the same game. So that high-powered offense may not be hitting on all cylinders for this game. Yeah. I mean, I think that is – I think – you know, uh, uh, players playing or not playing, whatever in this game is a huge part of it because I I have some faith in Jack Tuttle. I do. I do too. But but this I'm, this is an Indiana offense that doesn't have the trigger man that got them into being you know one of the greatest years in Indiana football history. Okay, but how do you, how do you see Indiana winning? I see them dedicating themselves to the run against this putrid, awful, pathetic defense and just beating hell out of them and just having Jack Tuttle. You don't have to be panics. You don't have to be airing it out. You don't have to have the huge high ceiling. Just be efficient in this game. That's what I think their game plan is going to be. Like short to medium range passing, dedicating themselves to running the ball. And I think they can do that. Yeah. um, I mean, I think you're tuning in, even though the players are out for Ole Miss, you're tuning into this game to just see what the Indiana defense looks like versus this offense. So Indiana, yep. Indiana's defense is all about blitz and corners, confusion, you know, yeah. never knowing where the uh, 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 blitzer is coming in from. So that is, I, I, this is a no-stress game to, to watch here. I mean, certainly going to be pulling for the Hoosiers, but this is just a fun game to tune in and watch. Now, the one thing I'd be a little bit nervous of if I'm a Hoosiers fan is will that open up the big plays for Ole Miss in, in some capacity or is that what winds up shutting the Ole Miss offense down with the lack of experience that they're now, you know, not going to have on the outside that they're throwing to. I would just love to, this is one of my favorite games. I would love to be, you know, in the, uh, uh, Indiana, uh, just to fly on the wall and the see what they're the doing, board. see what the thought process. So is. here's one here's one thing that I keep... the point I'm trying to make is I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think I got there. Sorry, if if you maybe actually played more of a keep them in front of you defense, sure. Their defense on the other side, meaning Ole Miss is so bad that you, may you, be enough. That's what I'm saying. Like right. maybe the key is to not to not open yeah. up the door for Ole Miss to hit big plays because that's, that's a good what point. I don't know. That's that's just one thing but, I have. With those I don't know if it's me. They've been getting away with it all year. Go with it, baby. Go with what got, what got you there. Okay. That's what I would do. I understand that, too. Okay, so here's one thing that, that I keep thinking about for this game. IU is still on an absolute mission this year. They feel disrespected. Yes. Right? They didn't get a chance to play in the Thanks championship game. Yep. And you don't hear anything about opt-outs. Nothing. No word from, from anybody on that team. Meanwhile, you've got a couple opt-outs for Mississippi – they're, they didn't even. They don't have a winning record. How, how much do they care about winning this game? IU wants to win this game, and no to doubt. me, that is the biggest factor of this game. No doubt. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going with Indiana to win it. I'm going with Indiana to cover 31 to 21, and that's an under. I my best play of the week is the under on this game. Okay. Wow. Uh, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that. Too high. Wow. Okay. So at one point, I thought about making this just an Indiana kind of blowout. Because of a lot of stuff we talked about, Ole Miss. Which probably would be an under. Probably would be an under because I think that would mean that Ole Miss. I just, I don't know. But can they score enough to have it be 51 to 
10 or something like that. I mean, I guess it's possible, but well, I don't, maybe but even, gets, maybe but even 51 to 10 is uh, 61 points. That's an under right there. Yeah, it's an so. under. But that's what I'm saying. I like the under. I, I think really the under like is very good. So I, I, I just feel like because it makes no sense, this will be a good game. This will be a good game. That's it. Okay. It just doesn't make any sense, but it will be. I've got Indiana winning the game 30 to 27. Okay. So at 57 points, that's still nine points in the under. So, so we both feel good yeah, about okay. the under. But I've got this Mississippi and the points, covering sure. the points. Okay. Because there's something about eight-point lines that just make me feel squeamish. I know. It's, I know. I, it's, I, like, I, it's like in a weird way, a nine-and-a-half-point line makes me feel more comfortable than an eight-point line. Absolutely. Eight, the, and a half. eight is just so ugly when you see it up I don't there. like it. No. don't like it. All right, that gets us to the... This game is on Friday, January 1st, New Year's Day, the Sugar Bowl, better known as the College Football Playoff Semifinal. This will be the second game played that day as Alabama and Notre Dame will have already played the afternoon game. We have got the number three, six and zero Ohio State Buckeyes paying the number two, ten and one Clemson Tigers. This is a seven o'clock p.m. game on ESPN line. Tigers are favored by seven and a hook over under. Biggest one we got on the board this week at sixty six and a half. Vegas is essentially saying a thirty seven to thirty. Clemson victory, 62% of the money is on the Clemson Tigers. We have got storylines galore well, for this game. I mean, we got, I mean, the big one is Dabo, right? Yes. Dabo just talking and talking and talking. And, like, can, but, I, can I just say, like, at one point, I kind of liked Dabo. There was a time. It's, it has, then I was teetering. His most recent. I mean, he really filled his diaper on this last one, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm tired of Dabo. Uh, I mean, I, point. I've been t- tired of Dabo for a couple years. I okay, so you've been there for a while, at least. Yeah, I think it's about two years. I think it's when, when it, whatever year that was, when they beat Alabama, and you know he would do the oh, just little old Clemson, he's Clemson. <laughs> like you're not little old nothing. I mean, Jesus, you've got the best facilities probably in the country. <laughs> You got a rabid fan base. You're right in the middle of a recruiting hotbed. There's nothing little about Clemson. You've got. And, and, and the funny thing is, is even before that, I would have agreed with you because um, back in the, you know, playing the NCAA football days, after I'd won three or four, you know, national titles at Iowa, I would start moving around, you know, like, okay, I'm the big shot. I can take any job I want. Okay. Clemson <laughs> was always one that I would go take. Okay. Because number one, I'd. I like the unis, you know, coming out, you know, is it Howard's Rock? Is that what Howard's it is? Rock? Yeah. Yeah. But I remember Death thinking, Valley. I remember thinking at the time, like, how come Clemson isn't better? Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember always thinking that as a kid. Yeah. But then, yeah, I mean, here we are. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. Dabo deserves credit. To, oh, I mean, nobody else can do it. So he deserves credit for them. But this whole thing, like. He turned the biggest pile of turd into a diamond. Like it's that's never was no. the case. Like he, it was something that should have happened before, and he made it work anyway. I mean, Danny Ford, but okay, all right. So, but that was. I mean, that's now I'm dating myself. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I honestly don't know who that is. Um, but we got we got Buckeye pride here. I mean, Ohio State crazy enough, and they don't want to hear this. They've never beat. Clemson, mm. the last year's game was bad. Yeah, there, there was a certain head coach that may have attacked a first down marker, and then a Clemson 
player back yeah, in the day. Boy, I, I forget. Before my time, but I, I remember hearing about I it. I forget that that's Clemson. That was Clemson as yeah, well. Yeah, it was. So there is a there the the <laughs> history between Ohio State and Clemson goes back quite some time. Um, the refs last year, I mean, Ohio yeah. State had, I believe it was a 16 to nothing lead before that bullshit call on Sean Wade that should have never been called the entire feeling of the game. Then like, like everybody always talks about the reversal of the fumble. I still think the bullshit call on Sean Wade, the targeting was even a bigger call in the game because Ohio State was going in to put Clemson away. Absolutely. And if, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, if you've been listening from, you know, a couple years back, I, it, I absolutely loathe the targeting call. I'm not against doing something, but the, the rule is a bad rule. It's written poorly. It's interpreted poorly. It's called poorly. And it should not have been called on that. Absolutely. Play. And and the worst part about targeting is the momentum it gives to the other Bingo. team. Bingo. It is fine if you want to call a penalty. The throwing the guys out of the game is just stupid, and it just gives too much. It just it, it flips so many. I have watched so many college football games get flipped on that call and change, and that is one of them. And it just makes me so angry. So I'm not going to say that you're wrong about that being the bigger of the two calls. I mean, there's no bigger example of that in that game last year. With all that being said, Ohio State still had a chance to win the game at the end. One of Justin Fields' receivers zigged when he thought he was going to zag. That was the end of the game. That I, I believe that was the most bitter pill that any Ohio State fans have maybe ever had to swallow. Uh, you know, a roughly 45-year-old I mean, Ohio fair. State Buckeye fan, I, I think that's the most painful loss. So with all of that being said, all of that stuff has fueled them. They That was the biggest reason why they wanted to play this game. They got the game. Yep. I, I Listening to uh, College Sports Radio for a while today uh, when I was briefly driving, the whole debate is whether Ohio State should be in this game or not. Sure. I am a big believer that Ohio State should be in this game. Um, it is not their fault. Dabo kind of backtracked a little Did bit he? at some point yeah. and said, you know, this ain't the Buckeye players and coaches' fault. You know, they they, they won't play them game. Yeah. You know, so he backtracked a little bit and said it was – but that is my point. It's not their fault. And another thing right. I want to say, too, and I can say this because I'm a fan of another team in the Big Ten, has Ohio State really had a hard time getting through the Big Ten the last three or four years? Do we really think it was going to look that much different if Ohio State played a 9 or 10 game Big Ten schedule this year? No, probably not. Nobody was going to beat them in my mind. Yes, I understand the point of like Florida getting knocked out by LSU because if you play enough games, you never know what's yeah. going to happen. I do understand that point of view. The other side of it, though, is, and I think that was something you brought up on another podcast, but then Ohio State doesn't get a chance to learn of their football sure. team, develop depth, find a couple guys with a couple more gadgets because they get you know cheated out of snaps. Point I'm trying to make is this is n- nowhere near a hundred percent argument one way or the other. Yeah, it's just in my belief Ohio State should be playing this game. Yeah, because look, I, I've put myself in Dabo's shoes, and a twelve game season is grueling, right? You go through the full season, and then you look at someone that hasn't done that, and it, it, I, I, I kind of get where he's coming from. I can see both sides. Um, okay, so let's get into the game. game. Yep. So, first of all, wow, this Clemson offense, uh, number one offense in the ACC. But also, number one, defense in the ACC. Um, number one, pass offense, too. And you've got that kind of suspect Ohio State pass yeah. defense. They're, they're number one in protecting the quarterback. 
not giving up sacks. Now, and I think Trevor Lawrence's ability to read the defense and get the ball out of his hands has a lot to do with that. Probably no, nothing that Ohio State I don't think can necessarily have you know much to to switch up from this, but it, it's all fitting together for Clemson. And when they had issues a little bit on defense. It was only because they had so many people out, specifically in the front seven. Yep. Those players have now come back. They're healthy. Ever since that happened, they have clamped down on all the opponents they played. Absolutely. And then on, their, on defense, speaking of defense, they're number two in sacks in the, in the ACC. Three interceptions, two in pass defense. This is an impressive team, top to bottom, and a team that was improving as the season went on. Correct. Too. So starting on when Clemson has the ball and Ohio State's on defense, I really think this is a simple game plan for me. If I'm an Ohio State defensive coordinator, stop the big plays. Do a little bit to Clemson what Northwestern did to Ohio State last week. Now, Clemson's got the running back to do it, too. Travis Etienne is... He's a good running back, all right? But they don't have a great rushing attack overall. That's that's the one area where they're not dominant. So that's the sliver to me is... ETN can do it. Don't get me wrong. Mm. He's talented, but so is Ohio State. Ohio State's rush defense holding up on their yep. own was very, very, it's like, it's weird to me that the only thing people are concentrating on with Ohio State's defense is how bad the pass defense was. Right. And it's not good, but it's not, it's not Ole Miss bad. No, okay, it's people not are Miss acting bad. like it's Ole Miss bad. Right. It's had some issues, but even then, like some of it came from, a lot of it came from in a six game schedule, the second half of the Indiana game. And I know this is a Correct. big if, but if you literally just took out the second half of the Indiana game, their yes. defensive passing numbers would look 10 times better. Yeah, because if they played twice as many games, it would even out a little more. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so, that's, so, okay, so let's say that they stop can— Stop the big plays. That's stop, what, okay, stop the big plays. I agree. But then if they can stop the run and force Clemson into passing all the time, make them one-dimensional, I think that's a key, too. Bingo. But again— don't let the receivers get behind. These aren't these aren't amazing Clemson receivers. Mm, they're not. They were way better last year, last yes. two years. Okay, so I think this is a better matchup for Ohio State's defense than what people think. Yeah, I a think little bit. You would be more susceptible on a defense that was having a hard time against rushing attacks. That's not what yes. we have here. No, okay. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and I know Clemson has been throwing the ball. Like and and they haven't been they haven't built this you know amazing team in numbers, run the ball they've been throwing it. With that being said, you can't if if you have a defense that cannot stop the run, you go into a game just like oh, we're screwed. Yes. Okay, that's not what we no, have here. It's true. Keep the ball in front. Have I said it enough? Yeah. Okay. Now I want to switch to the other side because uh-huh. this is where I've, I'm most interested in. Okay. Ohio State has not done a good job. Of protecting Justin Fields. No. I mean, they, they basically, Indiana wrote the script, and then Northwestern followed the script. And so we, we have seen how you get to Justin Fields. And it's possible. And when it happens, it, things go wrong. He gets rattled. He does. 100%. There, and I don't even think the most, you know, you know, hardened, Ohio State supporters could disagree with that. We have now seen that there's been a little bit more susceptibility to Justin Fields than I ever thought there would have been just six weeks ago yeah. or so. Okay. So with that being said, um, you know, another thing is 
maybe Justin Fields is the issue with Justin Fields for the sacks because he holds on to the ball he does. a little too long. He does. Okay. How about this? This is the game plan. Okay. Ohio State wants to hit you over the top. Okay. Every game that they've played, that's been their game plan. If I'm Clemson's defensive coordinator, the very well-known Brett Venables, my guess is that's what he's looking for. Mm. Don't do it. Do not do it. The only thing they should come out with is short passes okay. and running the ball. Short passes, run the ball, and, get fields into. And I agree, but here's the thing. They, they haven't been great at running the ball, but then you look at the Northwestern game, but the Northwestern kind of gave them those yards to a large degree. So do you think they can pull that off? Yes. Okay. Now, consistently, enough to win the game, no. I need a pretty good, a little bit more than serviceable rushing attack versus Ohio State. I think they can do that. Master Teague and Trey Sermon are, are talented enough, and I still think that that um, uh, Ohio State offensive line is good. Oh, yeah. by the way, we only got one or two games left. Run Justin Fields, okay? Now, th- oh, that's a great point, is there's no point in saving the guy now. It's Run time. him. Yes, it's time it to is go. time. It's time to go. Go and time. It, so um, so that that is to me. And then if you get into a flow of the game, then try to hit something over sure. top. Because I think one of the biggest mismatches in this game is Ohio State's wide receivers versus Clemson secondary. It's pretty good secondary. Don't yep. get me wrong. I don't think anybody can match up to Ohio State's wide receivers. No. And Clemson ain't it. Okay. Another thing to point out. I mean, we could have brought this up right at the beginning of breaking down the game. Ohio State seems to be. I, I've just got this sneaking suspicion that the Big Ten Conference and Ohio State have figured out an agreement with the number of days off. We will see a full We're gonna see force everybody. Ohio State team for the first time in a while. Everybody. Now, I think that hurts with the timing with stuff. And typically with timing, you see yeah, that more in the intermediate routes and the deep balls. Another reason for me to get to the quicker throws, to get away from that Clemson rush uh, pass but I think attack. The, I think the Big Ten, quote-unquote, air quotes, figured out a way to get them enough practice time to get the timing back. Okay. Just my guess. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and they should, by the way. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm very intrigued by this game. I'll be honest with you. There was a part of me two, three days ago where I thought there was other bowl games that I was more dialed into. Me and you both are not. We, we don't. Stand on t- on the mountaintop and scream the the amazement of the college football playoff. No, sir. With that being said, I can't freaking wait to watch this game. It's gonna be I a fun. I've got my hopes up that this is going to be a very fun game to watch. Okay, you want to go first? You go ahead. Okay. I I, I do think Ohio State has a, a decent chance to win this game. If they win this game, I think they follow your game plan. But I think it's because of the revenge factor that they're freaking pissed off at what happened. So I'm not going to say they can't win this game. I'm just looking at this Clemson team. I just see too much. And then I look at what Ohio State did over this year. Too many holes compared to what they've had in the past. I just don't think they have the firepower to beat what I think is a really amazing Clemson team. So I'm going Clemson with the win, not just with the win, a pretty comfortable one. I'm going 37 to 20 Clemson, and that's an under. Wow. So okay. they cover, and, and that's an under. Okay. Um, at one point, my prediction of that of this game would have been almost exactly okay. with yours. Now, there's I'm going to throw a caveat, and I don't think this is, I don't think this is CYA that much, but you can be the you can be the judge of that. Okay, 
One thing that has been suspiciously underreported this week is Justin Fields' thumb. It got a little dinged up in the Northwestern game. Okay, didn't it? So I am going under the thought process that Justin Fields' thumb is healthy. Okay, if for some reason it's not, and certainly if it's he can't play, I mean, I really hope that's not the case. That's obviously going to completely change the complexity of the game. But if that's the case, I reserve the right to reverse my prediction and go with something that looks quite a bit okay. with like what, what you said, but something is in the back of my head every now and then I get a feeling and I get this feeling Ohio state is going to come ready to play this game. I think the matchups are not as heavy in Clemson's favor that the college football world thinks. And I think they are going to flip the script. I think they're going to get behind and they're going okay. to come back in this game Make the plays at the end. I've got Ohio State 34, Clemson 31. Hey, yo. This is a slight under. That is a Buckeyes cover. We are going to watch an absolute classic on on um, Friday night. So one thing th- that I thought of while you were explaining that is something something made it click in my mind is that Ryan Day is an extremely good schemer. He comes out. Look, look, look at the way he came out last year against Clemson amazing scheme. They didn't know what the hell was hitting them. So he, I think he will come up with something. I think they, I like that, that part of your, your explanation. There. Okay. I just, I think they'll come out with something. I think we'll come out fast, come out strong. I just don't think it's enough. And then on the other game, um, it's hard for me to believe that Notre Dame is going to beat Alabama. They're, um, they're there's not, just, they're not going to beat Alabama. Come yeah. On. I mean, don't, what, what, the only thing I want to say Come is Come up this. with a scenario in which that happens. Here's the scenario. Very, very easy. It's just that I believe there's like an 8% chance that it would happen. You make Mac Jones get off center. That guy has been as comfortable as well, you yeah. possibly can okay. be. And that is, that's a statement on the SEC to a certain degree. Like, sure. just nobody has gotten him off. Mm-mm. Same game plan to a certain degree that I'm saying to Ohio State. Just stop the big plays versus Alabama. Get them into the red zone. Yeah, but what would happen if maybe you, you, you forced them to get to a third down on the 12-yard line? Get, have them kick field goals. Muddy it up. Stop Northwestern them. it. You, you have to. If you are Notre Dame, you have to Northwestern it. Um, I saw Kelly's comments where he basically said, you know, we don't have to play Alabama 10 times. We just have to – or beat them 10 times. We just have <laughs> sure. to beat them once. And, you know, I, I see, and I don't know if this is, I saw this or, but, you know, it's like everybody's saying they have to play a perfect game. They have to play a perfect game. Nobody has played a perfect football game in the history of football. It does not happen. You don't have to play a perfect. Even Georgia Tech against Cumberland, 222 to nothing. It wasn't perfect. Maybe that's the one time. <laughs> um, but you have to play very well. But I think the biggest thing in that is just for, for Notre Dame, don't turn the ball over, Okay. Limit the big plays. If, if that happens, okay, Notre Dame doesn't turn the ball over and limits Alabama's big plays. Is, is it crazy to think we would have a game going into late in the third, fourth quarter? No, I think that's possible. And, yes, you, you're going to have to get after Mac Jones early and often because I watched that Devontae Smith, and it he, he is scary. It's so good. So that is the number one guy. Do the, the Bill Belichick. Don't, don't let him beat you. Right. Don't well, let yeah. that guy beat you. And I'm not saying that's the only guy Ooh. they have because they basically had three Heisman contenders on that freaking offense. It, it's incredible. And I want to go on record as saying Devontae Smith should win the Heisman. I agree. 
I, I agree. He is the best player. I agree. And it's just time to have a receiver win it as much as well, I hate to say that, but it just seems well, obvious. Why do you hate to say that? Because I played D-back in college and I hate wide receivers. So Okay. But I, I, I hate that it has to be the, the quarterback on the best team or, you know, the running back on Alabama. You need to spread it around. I agree. So why not spread it to the, yeah, the wide receiver, receiver on Alabama? Alabama. <laughs> but anyways, I tell you what. I, 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 this is as fired up as I've been to watch the college football playoff in quite some time. There, both of these games. I mean, I was super stoked to watch Ohio State Clemson last year. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think last year Ohio State Clemson was the most excited I've been for a college football I playoff agree. game. And actually, I will kind of walk that back a little bit and say neither one of these games excite me as much as the Clemson Ohio State game was last year. But the Ohio State-Clemson game this year is very close. It is one millistep behind that. And for some reason, I've just got this feeling like, what happens if we just watch a really good game versus Alabama-Notre Dame? I mean, Dame? I hope I hope to God it is. I just really like don't think it Like a 34-27 to 27 Alabama-Notre Dame game would be awesome. To It'd watch. be great. Yeah, sure. So Notre Dame, just stay in the game, please. That's all we're looking. Okay. That is the last podcast of 2020. Yes, sir, it is. Shake your hand. All right. Good job, buddy. I'm proud yeah. of you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, Speaking I'm, of being proud, yeah. I just made the most delicious shepherd's pie. <laughs> you know what's funny? You never think about making shepherd's pie, and then you get one presented to you. Oh, fuck, I love shepherd's pie. Okay, so I'm kind of house-sitting right now, and no food. Like, basically, I, there was fr- frozen ground beef, and I'm, like, scavenging. I'm like, hey, I can make shepherd's pie out of what i have here so i did and it is tremendous good for you buddy it's all i've eaten today shepherd's pie also a good uh leftover dish as well, well so i made it last night threw it in the fridge for today and i just been snacking on it all day it's gonna be great it, it is fantastic i i could bring you some it's not what i was expecting you to say but i'm glad i'm i'm happy to hear about your shepherd's pie i'm jeffrey the green i'm big kurt this is the eyes on big podcast happy new year we will talk to you soon